This podcast was made in cooperation with Allianz Kulturstiftung, an independent, not-for-profit cultural foundation committed to strengthening cohesion in Europe using the tools of art and culture. This is Are We Europe, the podcast for a changing continent. We ask the small questions and get the big answers. We dive into all things European cultures and identities and bounce all over the continent. It's about the places and people that come to life in sound-rich stories, readouts from our print magazines, episodes from one of the amazing podcasts in our podcast family, or intimate behind-the-scenes interviews with our favorite storytellers and Europe's most talented creators. We got it all on this channel. It's Europe, streaming right in your ears. Are we, are we on? Are we? Are we Europe? What the truth is and how it should be told. I think there are a lot of borders to be broken. You can build it together. Community. And I believe Josh. Open minds, open borders, openness. Try to make Europe sexy with all senses. Are we? Are we? Are we, are we Europe? Europe? <laughs> yeah. What up? Are we Europe? Boom. Strasbourg. Yeah. That's me and my friends, Emily and Prune. If you told me six years ago that one day I'd be so relaxed with two German girls, I'd never have believed you. The last few years have been quite the ride. In some ways, the story of how we got here is a typical European story. Romanian woman falls in love with a guy in Germany, drags her teenage daughter halfway across the continent to live with him. Freedom of movement in action. This idea that you can just move to a whole new country, start a new life there, they say it's one of the best things about life in the European Union. And it is. But what I don't tell you is how hard it can be to do that. Especially if you're just a kid. My mom and I moved from Romania to Germany in 2015, just as a huge wave of refugees were arriving there. I was 14. Europe's migrant crisis is getting worse by the day. A migrant crisis spiraling out of control. Hundreds of thousands of migrants have streamed into Europe, the largest influx there since the end of World War II. The Syrian and Afghan kids who came with those families were my classmates. They have their own stories to tell. Stories much more painful than mine. My mom and me, we're part of a different mass movement of people. Just two out of the millions of Romanians who've moved their lives west. I come from a peaceful country. I've never known a war. In many ways, my migration story is nothing like the refugee kids who arrived in Germany. But that doesn't mean it's been easy for me to fit in here. I'm from Piatra Nemz a small town in eastern Romania surrounded by mountains. But my mom was always restless. One time, she hatched a plan to move to the south of France. Another time, it was Bucharest. But these plans never happened. So when she asked me one school night 
Danny, vrei să ne mutăm la Marius în Germania? Danny, do you want to go live with Marius in Germany? I just said, sure, why not? The fact that we might actually be moving didn't really hit me. Not until break time with school the next day. What if my mom's plans actually came through for one? I'd have to leave all my friends, my friends behind. behind. Mom had been dating Marius for nearly three years. He was her hairdresser's cousin. He's not a supermodel, the hairdresser told her. But he's what you need at this time in your life. Marius is Romanian, but he'd moved to Germany right after the fall of communism to start a new life. My mom started dating him when I was 11. She was just out of a long relationship with a guy I really liked. So I didn't really feel like getting attached to the new guy. He might not last very long. And he wasn't as funny. But Marius tried really hard to get me to like him. We'd visit him in Germany and he'd really spoil me. He'd get me the best sweets, took me to amusement parks. Every time we went, I would imagine, what if I actually lived here? But now that we were moving, it felt like a terrible mistake. A friend gave me a big poster as a gift, with Auf Wiedersehen written on it in big, colorful letters. I left Romania with a hole in my heart. Angry at everyone. Marius lived in Oppenheim, a tiny German village. Neat houses, beautiful gardens, clean alleyways. About 7,000 people lived there. Most of them rich and old. I kind of liked Oppenheim when we visited. But now that we had actually moved there, I was hit by a crushing realization. Oppenheim was boring. One high school, two supermarkets, a bookshop and a few cafes. Not much for a 14-year-old to get excited about. And it didn't seem like Oppenheim was too keen on us either. One day, my mom and I were in front of the supermarket, <laughs> talking loudly in Romanian. And the German lady turned around and looked at us like we were the dirtiest people on earth. I'll never forget the look on her face. Don't speak Romanian. This clearly bothers people. Don't talk too loud. Be normal. Don't attract too much attention. Attention. That moment stayed with me throughout my teens. I had become ashamed of using my own language in public. This was our first year in Germany, 2015. Thousands every day at the main train station in Munich, often greeted by applauding locals or welcoming volunteers. It's no wonder that Germany is the preferred destination for so many refugees. Most of the refugees were arriving in southern Germany, just like us. 
if we felt cut off from German society, I can't even imagine how they felt. The refugees lived in a separate neighborhood from the Germans. Lots of them weren't working yet because they just arrived. As for the kids, they got put in a separate class designed to teach them how to integrate. And, to my surprise, I got put in this class as well. It was called the Willkommensklasse, the welcome class. My German was pretty non-existent when we first moved there. So, for the school authorities, this seemed like the obvious place to put me. Looking back, I can't help but wonder if the same thing would have happened to a French or a British child with the same kind of background as me. Would they have been put in the welcome class? Unde într-adevăr comunitatea era închisă, erau majoritatea... I sat down with my mom after all these years to talk about how these moments changed us. Pentru cei de la școală, chiar pentru profesorii tăi, își puneau întrebarea dacă țara din care vii este o țară sigură. She's telling me how, back then, my teacher told her she was worried that I came from some kind of unsafe country. I'm still not sure if she was confused and thought I was a refugee or if she genuinely thought Romania was unsafe. Either way, it bothered me. And it bothered my mom, too. The German kids studied in normal buildings. But we, immigrants and refugees, were put in an industrial container outside the school. It felt like they wanted to keep us hidden. The German students also seemed to avoid us as much as possible. We would see each other from across this huge courtyard that separated us. We had separate timetables in the canteen. The only time we saw each other was at break. And let me tell you, we really felt those intense stares from the German kids. Maybe they were just curious, but I felt like I was walking around with a big X on my back. A target for their scorn. I always felt like I had to explain myself to the German kids. And I didn't want to be pitied. I wanted to shout. I'm not here because my parents want to steal your parents' jobs. It didn't really seem like the school knew what to do with us. What to teach us. How to categorize us. Kids of all ages were mixed together. My class was mostly made up of refugees from Syria and Afghanistan. The only goal was to learn German. We did kindergarten-style activities. Coloring, doing puzzles and crosswords. It was humiliating for all of us. Just a couple of months back, I was a normal 14-year-old studying literature and physics. Now I'm spending my days doing children's puzzles. I was starting to feel afraid. If things keep up like this, how are any of us going to finish high school? I filled the hours after school with long video calls to my friends in Romania and with music from back home. 
songs that now felt nostalgic. My mother would find me on the couch, staring blankly at a wall. She worried. Why aren't you doing anything? Why don't you pick up a German book and learn some more? Do you think you can sulk like that forever? She told me off a lot, but the arguments would go nowhere. I didn't give up on returning home. She didn't give up on me settling here. Eventually, we just stopped talking about it. After months of doing crossword puzzles, the school transferred me into a quote-unquote normal class with the German kids. I was one of the lucky ones. If I wasn't European, would I have gotten out so easily? Probably not. But I was so relieved. I was sick of feeling like I was in kindergarten. But my German still wasn't great. And I didn't really get on with the rest of the class. Our geography textbook had a description of Romania as a grey, poor country. There was a little portrait of Gheorghe, 20, looking for a construction job because things were hard in his village. Like every other Romanian, it said. That was it. Who wrote this? We need to talk. I wanted to tell the other kids that I was just like them. That I played games and rode my bike, listened to the same music as they did. But I never worked up enough courage to do it. During that time, I left tear-soaked letters under my mom's bedroom door almost every night. I begged her to let me move back to Romania and live with my grandparents. My mom just told me that she wouldn't dream of living without me. Sometimes I would ask her, Did you get a letter? She would just say yes and change the subject. I guess she just felt overwhelmed. But it felt like she was just totally ignoring the fact that I wanted, that I needed to go home. The truth is that both mom and Marius knew how unhappy I was. And it hurt them to see it. They came up with a pretty radical new plan. We were all going to move to Berlin. I could go to a high school where they spoke English as well as German. It was their last desperate attempt to convince me to stay. Marius was willing to give up his whole life in Oppenheim and move north, just to make it better for me. We moved to East Berlin, which smelled like a mixture of pee and weed. It's where the young people are, along with the foreigners and with the hipsters, full of clubs, cool cafes, and thrift stores. Let's just say it was very different from Oppenheim. I felt like I belonged in this neighborhood. And this time, I actually liked the people in my class. The Berlin kids felt open-minded and easygoing. 
but I still felt shy. Emily and Prune were in that class. You heard me talking to them at the start of this episode. Now, four years after we met, we all worked up the courage to talk about the beginnings. Can I have some of that? Mm-hmm. Once we were a few drinks in, I felt like I could finally ask them properly, what did you think of me back then? Everybody had some parents or someone who also had an accent or um, came from a different country, so it was something much more normal, and I think nobody would have judged you because of your accent. And also, your German might have not been perfect, but like I remember we had, it was like the first or second week that you came into our class, and we had to write a text in English class with Miss Sauer about like our dream place or our dream house Might or something. And you wrote about like your home in Romania or something. And you read your text out loud for the whole class. And I was so impressed with your text. I was like, her English is so good and the text <laughs> is so good. I was really impressed. So it still feels pretty raw to talk about all of this with them. I wanted to be included. And it turns out. They were curious about me, too. But there was this little voice in the back of my head. You need to watch out how you behave around them. Don't ruin it. That lady at the supermarket, who had looked so disgusted when she heard me speaking Romanian, her face swam up in my mind every time I tried to talk to my classmates. But I guess if you would have come to us... We, we would have, have been We nice. would have been friendly and we would have talked to you and kind of tried to integrate you <laughs> little did i know that back when we were in school every morning was hell for me one morning i squeezed onto a packed metro i put my headphones on the ride to school lasted about an hour and when the song started to play i felt it coming Just these two words and I can truly sound German. Guten Morgen. Guten Morgen. Now with a Romanian accent. Guten Morgen. 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 My morning panic. This panic wasn't entirely groundless, even at this cosmopolitan school in Berlin. There'd been ugly moments. One time, I was answering a teacher's question, and I heard two girls whispering behind me, Look at her. She really looks like a gypsy with that hair. I was stunned. I would play scenes like that one over and over in my mind, every morning. What else is going to happen today? For the first two years in Berlin, I mostly stuck together with the other English-speaking kids at school. It was easier for all of us. But everything changed on our class trip to Lisbon. We were a closed unit, and when we had to discuss who was going to be in what room, I was like, eh, I'd rather be with my friends. And then you and Leah came into our room, and I was like, oh. <laughs> Everyone was speaking German. I was the only non-native speaker. I had to speak. And suddenly, 
It just clicked. In the end, it was fun. And I, I think it was really nice that we kind of connected through sharing the room. Yeah, I remember one time we just all lay in bed uh, and we were like talking about like girl stuff. And it was like, <laughs> oh, such yeah. a nice memory. So I could actually have conversations in this language. I felt really cool. Just after the Lisbon trip, I had my first dream in German. I felt like, wow, I really know German now. And before I knew it, I was actually integrating into Berlin teenage life. I didn't miss a single party. I formed a big group of friends. And people even left messages in my 10th grade yearbook saying things like, I love the way you express yourself in class. Queen of style. Best actress. Sweetest accent. After a while, I stopped reliving every social interaction over and over in my head. In a way, I still feel like I live in two different worlds. When I go back to Romania, I'm still the open, friendly and sensitive Denise I've always been. In Berlin, I'm more careful. I'm still afraid people will see just how vulnerable I really am. My mom's telling me how happy she was to see me finding my place here, making friends. But she says she's found new worries to replace the old ones. About me being in a big city, going out with new people who don't share our culture or her rules. Would my mom do it again? Uproot her kid and move? She's not sure she'd recommend it. The freedom of movement that we have in the European Union is a dream, a privilege. But it's not the same for all Europeans. We're not all called expats, are we now? Every teenager feels a need to belong. But well, mine is intense. I still get upset when people make fun of my accent in German. There's times I wish I could teleport back to Romania. But I also feel like these experiences have made me stronger. Ești un copil foarte sensibil care a fost destul de rănit. My mom knows this best. She's saying that she knows I'm sensitive, but I'm also resilient. She's glad I found my place in this crazy world of Berlin teenagers. And she told me she loves who her child turned out to be. It was hard at first. To think of Berlin as home. Sometimes, I still feel like my family are intruders. These days, I'm trying to accept that I belong somewhere that I'm not from. I don't quite belong in Romania anymore. But I don't fully belong in Germany either. I'm somewhere in between. And that's okay. Nu mi-a făcut 
This episode was co-produced by Denisa Harbuz and me, Andrei Popovicu. Sound design came from me and Katz Laszlo. Invaluable editorial support came from Katz Laszlo, Katie Lee, Dominic Kramer, and Priyanka Shankar. This episode was a joint production between the Europeans and our Europe, supported by Allianz Kulturstiftung. Huge thanks to our Patreon supporters, without whom our productions wouldn't be possible. Many thanks to all the artists who let us use their music in this episode. Robin and the Backstabbers, Subkarpats, Fishfunk, and Gustav Kemps, who is Denisa's friend from Berlin. And of course, the one and only Jim Barn, who composed the European's theme tune. Additional music from Blue Dot Sessions and Artlist.io. Sound effects came from freesound.org. <laughs> Festivalul și cântăm în toate țările Răsună peste deal, se aude toate văile